Um, hey, I'm going to say this every time. We are, we are just so happy to see y'all in here. Um, we love y'all to death. Y'all are like our, our kids, and so to be able to see y'all every week, it really, uh, it really makes us leaders joyful. Um, so we're going to open up tonight. I'm going to talk about something. Uh, have you ever heard of the expression going down a rabbit hole or chasing something down a rabbit hole? Have y'all ever heard that expression? Okay, so I have, I, when I go down and chase a rabbit, it's usually on YouTube, okay? I don't know what it is, but YouTube has that algorithm. I watch one music video and you see recommended videos over here. And I, it's just like clickbait. I'm like, oh, I got to watch that one. And by the time I get, I, I started watching I don't know, a, a Christian song, and then I, by the time all is said and done, I'm watching a guy build something in the forest in, in like South America with his hands and feet. Crazy stuff. Like you go down a rabbit hole. It's crazy. Um, and so I went down a rabbit hole in preparing for this message, and the rabbit hole that I went down is going to Google, and I went to Google and I typed in, what is the purpose of my life? Now you want some, res- some results that will just blow your mind Go to Google and type in, what is the purpose of my life? You'll get millions of hits. It's crazy. Now, that question itself carries a heavy weight. And actually, humanity has always searched for the answer to that question. There's been millennia of searches by people of doing that. And I think that question carries a lot of weight. Um, but one of the reasons is because I think that God wired us to ask that question. And I think the answer to this question is ultimately God's plan for each and every one of us in this room tonight. People have tried to dodge the true answer to that question since the beginning of humanity, and they've done it by pursuing fruitless routes or attempting to find a different route than the one that maybe they just didn't want to pursue. And so before we even get into Scripture tonight, I want to ask you that question, what is the purpose of your life? And I don't need to have answers from you now, but what I hope is that God's Word tonight will enlighten us, it will illuminate that for us to see that we do have a purpose And it may be one that you've never thought of, or maybe it's one that you know of, that purpose, but you've never thought about it in this way. And and so, what is that purpose? Um, We're going to see tonight that Paul teaches that there is a fundamental shift in mindset that must take place for those in the body of Christ. And as a matter of fact, Paul speaks of that in multiple New Testament letters. We have to realize that ministry belongs to everybody in the church. The pastor is not the only minister. We're actually all to be ministers. Now, that's kind of crazy because we see, like, we had Pastor Jesse here for a good while, and he's Pastor Jesse. You know, we know him as Pastor Jesse. He's our pastor. We know Pastor Brian, Pastor Clay. Um, But what's interesting about God's Word is that we, too, are called to the Great Commission. You heard of that, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And, And what do we know ministers do. They minister the word to people. And so tonight we're going to see as Paul talks and continues to talk to the Thessalonians, we're going to see uh, that Paul lived in light of the gospel and he calls us to do the same thing too. Paul demonstrated supreme love of God to the church of Thessalonica. Uh, That is what we are called to do. We're called to live sacrificially for our families, for our friends, for our churches, for our neighbors. And all of that is to demonstrate the love of God to these people. When we choose to sacrifice all of that, our joy and our comfort for someone else, we're living in light of the gospel. And so you're going to hear me talk about that a lot lot tonight, in light of the gospel. So that's kind of like the title, if I had to title this, in light of the gospel. 
we are witnesses to the great depth of love that we have in Jesus Christ, and we're called to be that for other people. So last week, Mr. Corey was talking in First Thessalonians like we are. He took us through chapter 2. Do you all remember what Mr. Corey talked about? Huh? Authenticity. That's right. Uh, and, and really, it was authenticity in Christ. And, and that was great stuff. We saw Corey lead us through Paul and, and Silas and Timothy. They were writing to the Thessalonians about their ministry. They talked about coming to Thessalonica. And if you remember the first message that we had in uh, this series, we read from Acts 17. And you're probably like, why are we in Acts when we're talking about First Thessalonians? Well, it's because Acts 17 describes how that church formed. And, and so Paul in 1 Thessalonians last week talked about how they provided the gospel to these people. Um, and, and he kind of used some weird terms, right? He, he, he kind of talked about being like a, a nursing mother taking care of children. Um, how they remembered their labor and their toil. How the church accepted what they heard from them. Um, so all that stuff Mr. Corey talked about and all that is great stuff. And, and tonight is just like a segue from what Mr. Corey talked about. Um, so we're going to see tonight Paul continue to talk about affection for this church, how he longed for the church, how he wanted to go back and instruct them. Um, but again, the theme tonight is what is our purpose in this room right now? We're reading text that was written somewhat 2,000 years ago. And so many people are going to ask, well, what does that have to do with me? This is, just, this is just scripture. It's old. What does this have to do with me living in Camden, wherever you live at, Charlton, Camden, Brunswick, I don't even know the county for Brunswick. Wherever you live, huh? Glenn, sorry. I'm sorry if I offended any Glenners out there. Um, so <laughs> we, have to, we have to realize that, that God's word still applies to us today. So before we get into the scripture, who wrote it? Paul. Paul. When was it written? I haven't heard it yet. It wasn't 61. Huh? No, that's a little too late. It was actually written around 49 to 52 AD. So in the in Paul's writings, it was actually one of his first letters. Uh, church theologians will say that Galatians was actually his first letter. More than likely, this one was his second. It could have been his first one. Um, and so to whom was it written? That's an easy one. That's Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica. That, the capital of Macedonia at the time. Um, and if y'all remember, we talked about how unique of a place this city was. Um, it was it was similar to like the area we live in now because it was on a port. It was by water. There was a giant like interstate type roadway that went through this place, and so there was all sorts of people coming in and out. Um, it was it was really a melting pot of culture and religions. Um, so we're gonna stand tonight. I'm gonna have Morgan come up and read our scripture. Um, so y'all follow along as Morgan, and I don't have a mic, I'm sorry, actually, wait. Can you get this one up? I just didn't work. Can you just yell I can yell. Okay. Hey, y'all, y'all listen to Morgan. Oh, I can go now? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You're praying today? Yes. Okay, cool. Let's 
Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy, our crown or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you, for you are our glory and joy? Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. That no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn... I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to, come to us from you and has brought us to the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Can I get a hand for that's a lot of scripture. Hey. We'll pray. Let me pray real quick, and then you can have a seat. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us here. Uh, Father, I just pray that your word be magnified and that we walk out of this place better and more in love with you than the way we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so listen, I know that's a lot of scripture, okay? Um, but a lot of that contains similar themes. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that tonight. Um, really, after tonight, as we move forward in First Thessalonians, we're going to get into some really interesting topics. Um, have y'all ever heard of eschatology? That's a cool name. It's a cool word. We're going to be talking about es- eschatology, which is like basically the, the, the talk of like death for us and, and like what happens afterwards. And Paul gets into that uh, as we move forward in First Thessalonians. Um, but so I'm just going to start. We're going to work our way through this scripture and uh, see how Paul lives in the light of the gospel and how we're supposed we're called to do that too. Um, so he starts off. He says, "But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again." But Satan hindered us. Remember how this church was formed, guys, in Thessalonica? Uh, they actually had to leave the church a lot sooner than what they were expecting. If you remember in Acts chapter 17, verse 5, it talked about Jews that were jealous. It talked about wicked men. They formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar, and they attacked a guy named Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So they had troubles in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so they had to leave really quick. And when they got to the place that they were going, they were concerned about how this church was faring amid the difficulty. Um, and so you see Paul using words here like more eagerly and with great desire, with reference to just getting back to this church to see them. 
What we get out of this is the intense love that, that Paul is writing to this church. He's making every effort to see them. Uh, it, it made me think of like intense longings that I have in this life. Like when I wake up in the morning, I, I like, I got to have coffee. And I've never been that way until I, I guess, became an adult. I don't know. I still don't consider myself an adult now. Maybe it's when I got a job. That's, that's probably it. And so when I wake up, it's like I, I have to have coffee. And I, I like, I intensely crave it. Um, when I, like, I'm coming home from work every day, I want to get home. Like, I'm, I'm ready to get home. That's some things that I crave. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. How messed up is that? Have you ever, like, been on, like, I want Chick-fil-A? I know, and that's when I seem to want it the most, though. You know what I'm saying? So those are cravings. But what Paul is craving here is just to get back to this church. He's, he's just wanting to see these people. Um, Paul has a desire to be with them. And, and so here we go with this life of being a minister. Paul was a minister. Paul told this church, and he tells us today to imitate Paul. You probably remember, we, we talked about that word the past two weeks about imitation. Paul uses that word, imitate me, therefore as I imitate Christ. So you see Paul longing for these people to imitate him, and he does the same for us too. Why does he desire to be with this church? We're going to see that as we continue on in these verses. Um, and so Paul says, with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. But notice what he says in verse 18. Somebody hindered him. Who, who hindered Paul and, and Silas from getting back to him? What's it say? What's scripture say? Satan, right? Now that's, that's kind of interesting. So he, he's saying that Satan is a real entity right here. And that Satan hindered him from getting back to this church. Keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that. But continuing on in verse 19, Paul says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Uh, how, how happy are you when like a mom, well, like your mom or your parent or your guardian says, I'm proud of you? I don't know about y'all, but like I loved hearing that from my parents when I was growing up. And, and we, we should see this verse here in a similar way. This would be like a child witnessing their parents beaming with pride for them. Um, Paul calls the church their joy, their crown of boasting, their glory. And he says this to encourage them, actually. But also it's because it's the truth. We should expect this would cause the church to rejoice in return. Hearing like a spiritual father saying, hey, good, good job, guys. You are our hope. You're our crown of boasting. Now, what does he mean by crown of boasting? We, we should think of that as much, much like an athlete in the day of like receiving a trophy or something. Um, you, you know, if you get a trophy for something, you put it up on a shelf, you hoist, you see pictures of like athletes hoisting it up high when they win the championship or something. And, and Paul is saying that this church is like that for him. In the presence of the Lord Jesus one day in heaven, Paul was saying this church would be his trophy. Look at, the, look at this church, Jesus. Look, this, is, this is what I helped to put together. Um, now, one might look at this scripture and say, well, isn't Paul boasting? Like, and we're not supposed to boast. We're not supposed to brag about what we did, right? Boasting typically does designate sinful pride, but, but Paul here affirms that there is an appropriate kind of boasting. He's boasting about the church. He's boasting about the Lord Jesus and, and the works that he has been able 
to work through Paul and the other apostles. Uh, you see in like Romans 2.23, Paul talks about boasting in the law of works, and that actually dishonors God. That's, Romans is where Paul's like, hey, listen, everything is through grace by faith alone. And so when I think of boasting, like he's willingly boasting about the church and how he behaves among the churches because he's saying, imitate me, right? Like that's pretty bold for, for you, for like Paul to say, imitate me. And so we continue to see how amazing of a Christian leader Paul was. Um, what's interesting about this is I was going through the scripture. I was thinking about us leaders uh, here at KFBC and how we, we sometimes boast behind y'all's backs uh, whenever we see cool things that y'all are doing and, and how proud we are of things. Uh, simple things like getting up to read. Um, simple things like praying in front of other people in small groups. Uh, we don't usually call y'all out to do this to embarrass you, but it's to hopefully strengthen that relationship that you have with Jesus, and, and it's to allow for opportunities to grow in Christ. And so um, what comes out of this for this, this verse of, of being a hope or joy or crown is us living in the light of the gospel. Are, are we making efforts to connect to those people around us? Paul was, Paul was doing this on a daily basis, and Paul was saying, hey, this church is my crown of boasting. And so when I look around in my life, all I can think about is, who is my crown of boasting? Who is, who is somebody that I can get when I pass away and I go and I finally see Jesus when I was like, this is, this is what I did. This is what I helped to do uh, because of you, Jesus. Um, so continuing on, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 3 goes like this. It says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our bro- brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. Remember, we already said Paul was hindered from going, right? He said Satan had hindered from going. But instead, Timothy could go. And Timothy was a really interesting guy for Paul because he was like specially picked by Paul. So he was like his right-hand man, kind of like Robin to Batman. Um, and, and Paul uses some really unique uh, terms here in this verse. He says something like, when we could stand it no longer. Again, we see a picture of like Paul sitting around and he's almost like anxious. He wants to get back to this church. This church was literally constantly on, on Paul's mind. He wasn't concerned with anything else in himself, but only to get back so that they ensured that they were encouraged and they knew that they were loved. But why would they need to be strengthened and encouraged? So first and foremost, life is tough. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have felt that sometimes. Life isn't always pretty. I mean, life is great, but there's some tough times that happen. And so we got to think that the, this church in Thessalonica was just like me and you. They had lives. They had family issues. They had crazy issues that I probably don't even know what was going on. Remember, these people were living in like a Roman territory. So they were kind of like under another government system. And, and so outside of just messed up life situations, um, they had been in the midst of turmoil. Remember how... The, the church, when it was formed, they had like a lot of opposition against them. And so it, it just makes me think, we don't really know how it is to be spurned by society 
for what we believe in. But that's kind of what was happening there. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all like history. Uh, I love like World War II and stuff. But uh, thinking back to like the the Jews back in the 1930s, like when when the Axis powers and Germany was kind of getting going, like Jews were spurned just because they were Jews. And so it kind of makes me think that uh, we had a similar situation here with this church, Thessalonica. There was people who didn't care for the gospel. There's people who didn't want the gospel to spread. So they were going to do everything in their power to shut that down. And so Paul talks about being moved by these afflictions. It just continues to make me think of Paul being uncomfortable for these people. And, and likewise, these people being uncomfortable. They were obviously unsettled due to the trials. Um, I, I, so I have a squirrel brain. I'm sorry. If y'all know me well, like I, I'd go off. But it makes me think of Home Alone. Like Y'all remember in Home Alone when uh, she, the mom gets on the plane and she realizes that Kevin, she's like, <laughs> right? Uh, is that the right part? I don't know. She just screams Kevin a couple of times. But think of like how she reacts knowing her child was at home by herself. This is kind of what we have here. Paul is far away. And this church was like his spiritual children, and all he could think about was getting back to them. Um, so uh, Paul here is is just, it, it explodes, this scripture explodes with the feeling that Paul had, the love that he had for these people. A love driven by the Father. This is a love that only can be established by a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the fruit in a believer's life that is pushing them to love those people to serve those people. Um, And and it's really the only way for us to extend ourselves beyond what you think you can do on your own to imitate Christ and to be obedient with Scripture. Um, You know the old saying, uh, you may be the only Jesus that someone sees today? That's partially true. We don't always have eyes, uh, or we don't always open our eyes enough to see God at work in our lives. But he always is. And for those that maybe still have uh, scripturally the scales over their eyes, they haven't been opened to the love of Jesus, and they cannot see God working or choose not to look for him, the only source of Jesus sometimes is me and you. And, and it's how we act around them, how we talk to them, how we love on people. All of this makes a difference in their lives more than we know. And, and everything that we say and everything that we do has an effect on someone or something, whether you know it, it does or not. And so when I think about Paul in the scripture here, I think about that encouragement and that love that Paul had for this church and how, gosh, like how we should imitate that. <clears throat> Continuing on in these verses, Paul says, For you yourselves know that we are destined for them, or excuse me, that we're destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer for affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul here emphatically reminds the church that they had been warned that persecution was imminent. You, he, he, said, he said, you yourselves know, and he said, we kept telling you beforehand reminders that difficult circumstances are in keeping with expectations, Scripture, and its theology. If you go back through some of the New Testament, you see Jesus speaking about how the church would be persecuted. He talks about it on the, in, in uh, his Sermon on the Mount message. 
uh, Jesus talks about, hey, if I suffered opposition, how much more will my followers suffer opposition? Uh, and, and what's interesting is when you look back on Paul, y'all remember who Paul was before he was Paul, right? He was Saul, and what did he do? He was a persecutor himself. He persecuted the church. And so Paul understood both sides of this at this point. And so in, in electing Paul as a chosen instrument for his kingdom, Jesus actually declared this in Acts. This is, this is crazy. Right after Paul is like, uh, you know, meets Jesus, Jesus says, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I'm going to show him that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of scary. But what Paul was doing here in this, in these verses is basically telling the church, don't fear. You can't fear the inevitable. And, and I, my guys that are in my uh, life group class, they probably hear me say this more often than I should. But I say that all the time. I say, guys, I, I, I feel bad for saying it, uh, but I don't want anyone to be caught off guard. But life is going to be tough at some point. And so I want us to be aware that we should expect things because Scripture says that when we're working in the ministry and when we're working in accordance with God's truth, and in the hope of our Lord that trouble will come. Now, this will come too when you're not a Christian. So just because you're a Christian, it's, it's the same on both sides. But we have a hope in Jesus when the trouble does come. Christianity will not save you from trials and tribulation. We're destined for them. That's what Paul says. Uh, something to sit and ponder for sure. But... Um, one of the things, when I, when I was kind of studying this, um, this is something that I've thought about a lot in my life. It's not fun to think back and be like, man, times are going to be like bad at some point in my life. Woohoo! I'm excited for that, right? Um, you know, if anything logical comes out of that, it's usually fear and anxiety for what tomorrow might hold. But the Bible speaks a lot to this, and they're not really disasters. They advance God's purposes. And so Paul continues and talks about that here. Um, going back to the theme of living in light of the gospel, how great it must have felt for this church to know that they had Timothy and Paul and Silas constantly praying for them, constantly reaching out to them to try to strengthen and encourage them. Uh, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have my church family um, here in Kingsland. Me and Miss Mally, we live here, I guess, alone. We don't have family here, but we have found family with our church. And so I don't know where we would be if we didn't have people encouraging us and praying for us when we've gone through tough times. And so we, as believers in Christ here in this room tonight, we have that same opportunity for our church. We have that same opportunity for the people here in this room, the people that you sit around. We have that same opportunity to encourage people at our schools at our homes, at Thanksgiving next week when you have 50,000 people coming to eat food at your house, like I will be at. Um, it's a place for God's people to fellowship together, to not only worship God, but to gather as, as one body, one mind, and, and uphold one another. That's what we're here for. And that's how we live in light of the gospel together as a family. And, and that's how Paul was speaking to this church as well. We can learn a lot from Paul's practice here, how he handled this church. So continuing on in 6 and 7, Paul says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love 
and recorded that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. We see here, Paul highlights three things from Timothy's report that caused him joy. And those three things are this. He talks about the Thessalonians' faith. He talks about their love and then their fond remembrance of Paul and his team. And so, again, they warmly remember Paul and his colleagues and desire eagerly to see them again. So, again, there's that imitation theme. Paul wants to see the church. The church wants to see Paul. And, and again, going back, by our faith, just by our faith in God and our obedience to His Word, it can be of huge magnitude in other people's lives, whether we know it or not. The, the golden rule of loving God and loving our neighbor, the only good that can come out of that for ourselves and our neighbors is, is that love. And so we see here um, Paul continuing just to boast for these people. Again, I, we, there's so many times that we as leaders, just like for camp, at camp, for example, I'll share something with you. One of our favorite things to do at camp, I've only been to camp once, but like it, it left a lasting impact on me. Every time that like the y'all go off and do the small groups and stuff, we as leaders come together and like we're just kind of debriefing and we're talking about cool things that have happened. We're talking about cool things that we get to boast about seeing God work in y'all's lives. It's, 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 it's so cool. And so, again, we, we look at Paul doing this to this church. That's what he's writing, to encourage them. And he says here, For this reason, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted just from looking at your faith. Oh, how many times have I had a bad day, and I get here to do Wednesday night, and I get to see y'all, and I get to see people who love Jesus and are here to worship, and it changes my day around completely. Paul continues, he says, For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. That's verse 8. And he continues in verse 9, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul basically says here, Knowing that your faith is alive keeps me alive. That's crazy. Now, it's a metaphor, Right? But he, it's him expressing how happy he is at the news that this church is keeping their faith through all the stuff they were going through. They have the endurance and the perseverance. And he continues on. He's like, how can I thank God in return for all of you, for the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? And Paul says that we're praying for them earnestly, night and day, to one day hopefully see them face to face again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Remember, we're talking about Paul rejoicing in these people. He continues to pray for them. It shows how much Paul... Lo- Listen, if you love somebody, you'll pray for them. That's pretty, that's pretty big. If you love somebody, you'll pray for them. And Paul is talking about praying most earnestly night and day for these people. I looked at my own life when looking and studying through this and, and realized how many times I fall short in praying for the people I love. So this was convicting for me. And and Paul talks about here this dynamic that these people need to continue to have a supply of what's lacking in their faith. And so what are they lacking in their faith? He's just talking about how like crazy great Christians they are. Well, remember, they had to leave early. 
These were new Christians. These were like, I think Corey, Mr. Corey talked about three Sabbaths. So three Sundays is all they had to, to basically teach this church. And so these people, they're young Christians, and Paul wants to get back to them to continue to teach them because challenges persist. Paul continues on as we finish up these last few verses. Paul says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Remember, Satan had hindered the, uh, the Paul initially. And Paul here is delivering what we would call a benediction. And he's asking God, may God direct our way back to you. And he continues in verse 12, he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. There's that imitation theme again. May your love increase for the people in your church and for the people outside of church. That's his second prayer to God, his second petition. Um, remember, love, we talked about love in John a lot. Um, and, and Paul talks about love a lot. In 1 Corinthians 13, you probably heard it. It's the famous wedding scripture, right? 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. If we don't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, you have to really question. You have to really question if you know who Jesus was. We, we should still love people enough to take the gospel to them. And, and this is the biggest decision that anyone could ever make in their life because it affects them for all of eternity. Verse 13, the, the final verse, it says, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. You could make an entire sermon off that one verse right there. Um, remember, as we started off tonight, I talked about that word as eschatological, eschatology. It's, it's a crazy word. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. We're going to dive into that deeper as we go through First Thessalonians. And there's some really cool stuff in there, but in that verse right there, that's kind of like where it all starts off. And he talks about Jesus coming back. So we, we, we think about that too, right? We should at least. Paul talks about it a lot. The New Testament talks about it a lot. Jesus is going to come back one day. And then you've got people out there, you've got naysayers that say, well, it's been 2,000 years, why is he not back yet? We don't know when he's going to come back. And, and God doesn't work on the same time that we, we know time as. And so, as we close out tonight, I know we've covered a lot. That's a huge section of Scripture. But I want to remind you of the purpose of why you're here. And, and I guess first off, let's look at the question in two ways. The larger question is, what is your purpose in life? And I think the evidence is pretty clear that here in 1 Thessalonians, that we're to be on missions for others. We're to imitate Jesus. We're to be obedient to Scripture. Um, and, and that means serving others, loving others, praying for others, sharing the gospel with others. Remember, it's not just pastors that should be doing this. It's us too. We're supposed to be ministers. Um, think of how Paul encouraged this church. Are you encouraging people in your life? Are you imitating Christ in, in your lives and being obedient? Are you making efforts to connect to people in your life? Remember, Paul didn't even live in the same city as this church. He's writing letters to them. That's how much he loved them. Do you, do you rejoice to hear the good news when people do things for, for God's kingdom? Honest love and affection. I always say, you know, if, if unbelievers know what the Bible says about love, how much more are we supposed to love the people around us? That, and, and most especially us here in the church together. 
The second thing I want y'all to think about, and, and when I say y'all, it's me too. Because again, I, I, am, uh, I am convicted when I study for this because I see where I fall short. But the second thing to think about is what is your purpose here tonight? Um, this random Wednesday night, a rainy Wednesday night, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving break, maybe today was no different from any other day of your life, but, but maybe what Paul wrote and, and God's word tonight struck you in some way. Maybe you realize that I am here for a purpose, and I've never known it, but now I know my purpose is to be ministered for God and, and to share the gospel with people and to live my life for Christ. Um, and I just want you to know that that opportunity always exists. It, oper- it exists now. This altar is always open as we come back up here and worship one more time. If you never want to come up here to the altar and you want to go in private and talk to a leader, we're here for you. Um, remember, Paul talks about a shift in vision with Christ. And Paul says that he is only now truly living because of the faith that he sees in this church that's growing. And so, again, I ask you tonight, what is your purpose overall in life? And then what is your purpose in here tonight? Um, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our Savior. He's the name above all names. And, uh, again, we always offer uh, it up to you. If you have any questions about your salvation, come talk to us. Uh, I always give my number out, my text, my uh, cell phone number. Text me any time of the day, uh, any time of the night, because I'm usually up uh, really early. Uh, and uh, but I'm sure all of our other leaders here would be more than willing to do that too. We just want to be here to encourage y'all. Um, prayer requests, orange cards. We read those. We pray for you guys. There's paper up here with pens. You can write prayer requests up there. Drop them in this basket. Um, don't, don't settle on mediocrity and a life that has no meaning. Pursue Jesus. Find your meaning in Jesus tonight if you don't know him. And uh, I pray that, that we all live in light of the gospel and change the world around us as we share Jesus' love. So I-